pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 217. Today I'm going to chat with Kirk Gelberg from Ideal Conceal, discuss Biden's plan to spend tax money on gun control, highlight a new lower for the Strybog, and talk about a tragedy on the movie set of Rust. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and Kirk, how are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Ava. I'm doing well. You said you're in Minnesota right now, right? I am. Our office is located about 45 minutes north of uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Oh, okay. When do you guys usually like expect your first snowfall? Now. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, anytime. It, we had a storm here once on Halloween that dropped 35 inches of snow in a couple of days. So, yeah, it can be any time now. Wow, that's crazy. And here I'm just like complaining that it's like 40s. But it does still like kind of heat up to like 60s during the day, but I'm just like already over it. Uh, You know what? We should just uh, maybe we should just move to Florida or something, you know, or Arizona. Yeah, I tried moving to Florida, but you can't transplant a Minnesota girl to Florida. It's kind of like bringing a palm tree to Minnesota. Just didn't <laughs> right. <work out. laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. All right. Smith and Wesson. Guys, just a heads up, there's been two field reports of cracked barrels with the MP12s, and out of caution, Smith & Wesson has issued a recall. Any MP12s that were made before October 15th, Smith & Wesson will inspect the barrels to determine if there's any anomalies in the barrel and replace it for free of charge, of course. If you guys want more information, definitely check out their website, smith-wesson.com. They have a link that you can click on the top of the page to read more on it and look up your serial number to see if, you know, if it's affected. Uh, but definitely, you know, just take precaution. Definitely, you know, look into that if you guys have bought one. In fact, I actually still need to do that. But in the meantime, I haven't shot it anymore. Obviously, safety first. But if you guys want to find out more to see if your gun is affected, head on over to smith-wesson.com. And as always, if you want to check out all the other stuff that they have, you know, do so. They make some awesome products. Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. All right. So Kirk, you are from Ideal Conceal and I recently got my hands on one of your guns but before we talk about your product, just give me a little bit about your background and how you got into the firearms industry. Well, I got in the firearms industry by falling into it completely backwards. Um, I'm not from the industry at all. I have uh, dogs and I was out in a local park around here. You got to worry about coyotes. So I always carry anyway, but I was carrying that day. And then I went into a restaurant and I sat down. When I got up to go to the men's room, my jacket, um, my cover jacket, or, you know, carried my cover gun, um, covered my carry gun. Sorry, uh, got caught up on it. And a kid, not very far away, probably five or six years old, and he just yells out, Mommy, that guy's got a gun. Well, unfortunately, in our day and age, uh, that can mean somebody's coming in the door with a gun to shoot everybody or mm -hmm. somebody has a gun. Yeah. So everybody took a quick 
breath and looked around and realized it wasn't a immediate threat or anything. And I sat back down. I'm like, man, it just, it just gotta be a better way to carry a gun. Cause it's my feeling of reason. A lot of people don't carry a gun is because they're literally afraid to have other people, particularly people who are not gun friendly, mm-hmm. see their firearm and then judge them because they have one. Cause that's of course these days it's not, you know, Hey, why do you like firearms? It's, Oh, you have a firearm. Well, I hate you. That's mm-hmm. pretty much how that's pretty much how it's been going. So I thought to myself, you know, just gotta be a better way. And uh, there was another incident not long after that we had a, a stabbing in the St. Cloud mall. It was a religious fanatic type um, person who went around and stabbed, I think eight people. And there was only one person that interacted with them with a gun. And that was an off duty police officer. So I thought to myself, I think if more people had the ability to carry a gun that was, you know, way more concealable mm-hmm. that perhaps they would be able to defend themselves more easily. And then that's how I got started on it, sketched it out in a napkin and, you know, just like the um, old American, you know, entrepreneur, you sketch it out on a napkin and follow it out from there. Nice. Actually, I think you definitely have a point. And it's weird because, you know, for you and I who are gun enthusiasts, we don't really think too much into it. Like, Personally, like I'm not a huge fan when I see people open carry because I'm just like, meh, I'd say, you know, I'm I'm kind of of the mindset of like, eh, the least people know of you, you know, the better. But it's weird because somebody just recently, I think it was my hairstylist. She was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I like guns and stuff, but she's like, I don't like that, you know, people just like open carry them and it freaks my kids out. And, and I was just like thinking to myself, like, how weird, you know, I mean. But we don't really think about that. We don't think about like the other side. But then, you know, it's kind of true. Like kids don't really know if, you know, what you're doing with that gun and like nowadays. And it's, you know, even if you try to prevent your kids from watching media and stuff like that, I mean, it's pretty much it's really hard to do. So with all the shootings and stuff like that, so they just automatically think, you know, worst case. But it is one of those things that I think even concealed carrying, you know, can be really uncomfortable and hard to do at times. And then obviously open carrying brings out, you know, a lot of issues and kind of like your incident, like here in Colorado, you can't like, if you're concealed carrying, it has to be 100% concealed. None of it can show. And let's say if you raise your arms and it exposes your gun, I mean, if somebody wanted to be a jerk, they could, you know, possibly get you for brandishing and menacing anything like that. So you kind of open yourself up to, you know, potential legal issues as well. Let's talk about, you know, so then that, that's when you came up with essentially the cell phone pistol. That's like the, yeah, I, the sat, I sat back down, looked and everybody in the restaurant, of course, was holding cell phones. So that's the other thing. It was like that shape and that, that design of, of that phone has just become, you know, totally American. Everybody just carries one. Everybody has one in the world, I should say now, I guess. And mm-hmm. and so the shape just disappears into American thinking. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I would say that your gun is so discreet that, I mean, you could actually have it in your hand out in the open and nobody would even think twice to think that it was a pistol. Yeah, I have done that just to test. I walk through several home improvement stores and stores with it in my hand and nobody ever looks at it. We've set it on uh, table at a restaurant lots of people and servers and stuff go by and nobody notices it like i say the shape just disappears basically yeah absolutely okay so let's talk about how you went from you know drawing your design on a napkin to making it actually like such a thing because people might think that it's pretty easy to 
you know, come up with a design and stuff, but it actually takes a lot of work. Oh, and a lot of time. Yeah. yeah really and, and a lot of money and you have to, I mean, I would think even just the insurance alone would be a nightmare. So far, it's been pretty good. We have had a lot of luck with that. The, the liability insurance hasn't been too terrible, but the process to get here, I have an engineer and he, he said to me one day, he said, if people realize what you had to go through to bring a new product to market, nobody would bring a new product to market. And I just thought, yeah, because it has been um, a terribly expensive long road. And it's also where you make some mistakes. You know, you meet some people who are not who they pretend to be. And I had some of those instances that cost me a lot of money and a lot of time. And so, yeah, we started this, I started this project actually incorporated the company back in 2015 and I didn't start in earnest until 2016 because I knew it was going to be expensive. And so we did a little Facebook page and a, you know, thousand dollar website just to see. And then we went viral in April of 2016. And I realized what I had a hold of. It was really something that polarizing, of course, but that's also a good sign. It makes people, you know, realize that it is an interesting product and that they would use it. So I think that was a good thing for us at the time, but we were not in anywhere near production. We were still in the basic drawing stages at that point. Mm -hmm. I guess in 2016, it was Chuck Schumer who freaked out about the ideal concealed pistol. And he, I think it was before it was even released and he called ATF to investigate, to declare it illegal before it could go on sale. Is this true? Oh yeah. He, yeah, Chuck, Chuck's a lot of fun. So, yeah, he did that <laughs> for us. But it actually, you know, the problem with people like him is what he doesn't realize is I had a guy actually call me. He said, well, I'm really glad he said something about him. I'm like, why? He said, because everything he hates, I buy. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, well, you know, that's all right. Yeah. And uh, no, pe- people literally thought we were done. I mean, I went to interracial not long after that, and people were like apologizing me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Aren't you going to quit? And I'm like, no. And yeah. what about Chuck? I'm like, Chuck's not going to buy this gun. I don't really care what he thinks. And I think that's also been lucky for me over the years. I've just gotten over what people think. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, I, I know what I want to do. I know what I think. And as long as I'm not hurting other people and staying within the laws, I should be able to do what I want to do yet. So, yeah, I know. I couldn't agree more. That's kind of how I've been living my life lately as well. <laughs> the design of the firearm, there's actually, I mean, there's quite a few on the market. They're not completely the same, but there are some, you know, that are kind of similar that have surfaced. Did you look at these designs before figuring out your design and kind of, I mean, I would assume that like, you know, with any invention, you kind of look at other models and you're like, okay, you know, how can I improve it? That would have been wonderful, but none of the things that were on the market were anywhere near what we want to do life cards a single shot 22 mm-hmm. and you have to cock it in order to use it and so that one we decided early on we weren't going to do that in fact some of the impetus for this gun came from my wife she's like if i have to use a gun i don't want to click buttons i don't want to push safeties i don't want to rack slides i don't know how to do any of that i just want to open it up and be able to use it and i was like okay that you know made a lot of sense so we had the uh, really get away from a lot of the traditional things that people were doing at that time for instance cocking it or you know having to find a way to do that we made it a double action so the trigger actually cocks the gun as the trigger is being pulled back so um, and safety was a big thing for me um i don't want anybody hurt or killed by accident with our gun so you know covering the trigger was important 
drop safety, those kind of things. But I really didn't have anybody to copy. And that was unfortunate, I suppose, because we went through, well, this was the third fire and control group we had before we got it right. Mm-hmm. And we're striker fired. We're striker fired now over under striker, which hasn't, as far as I know, been done before. And so, no, unfortunately, we didn't have anybody to copy. Everything had to be custom made. There's very few, there's a couple screws and some springs, but other than that, everything's either machined or stamped in this gun partly because it also it's a it's a really close tolerance pistol there's not a lot of room in there yeah it's only three quarters three quarters inches wide and and uh, so there wasn't a lot of room in there to do things so it took us a while to get there and i did have a talented engineer troy pongratz from minnesota here he really did the inside i figured out the outside in about 15 minutes but it took oh three years and half a million bucks to get to the inside to fire consistently and you know so that it was very dependable and i felt like and i said this to people before it's like if i'm not giving it to my family to protect themselves i'm not selling it to you Mm -hmm. that's you know because i had people early on well just sell me one anyway i'm like yeah no because you know that's that's not the idea. You, if you're going to carry a gun, you better make sure it goes off. Yeah. And uh, so that was something we were really, uh, really conscious of and the safety factors, of course. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about primary arms. Primary arms is actually giving away one optic every month for the rest of the year, and they've chosen Gun Funny to participate. If you head on over to Gun Funny Podcast on Instagram, they're giving away their award-winning GLX 4 to 16 by 50 with the ACSS Apollo reticle. There's a post up on Gun Funny Instagram. Just go ahead and find it. All you have to do, follow Gun Funny Podcast, follow Primary Arms Online which there's two primary arms Instagram. So make sure it's the primary arms online tag two friends per comment, and you can enter as many times as you'd like. And then come November 1st, we are going to draw one lucky winner to receive that optic. In the meantime, head on over to primaryarms.com. Check out all of the stuff that they have available. If you find a primary arms optic that you'd like to buy, don't forget to use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, and you're going to get a free scope mount with every primary arms optic that you buy. But for those who haven't seen the pistol, can you try your best just to kind of describe it? Basically, you know, it's the same size as the cell phone. I think I took a picture and I posted on social media with my iPhone, which is, I think it's a a Pro 11. And it's pretty much the same size, depending on, you know, what cell phone you have. Thickness, it's slightly thicker, but it's really not. I mean, this is the thing. So I I actually saw Such, who has a YouTube channel and, and he's on social media. He posted a picture of it on Instagram And I was like, wow, that's actually like really interesting. And then that's when I started following you guys and I contacted you to see if I can get my hands on one. Because this is one of those things that I think a lot of people initially might knock it just because, let's face it, people don't like change, even though they're always crying that like the firearms industry, there's no innovation. And then when there is innovation, they're like, I don't like it. But I definitely respect. (laughs) I mean, right. I'm not wrong. Like people. Nope. It's like, I hate to say it, but the firearms industry is like filled with a bunch of crybabies. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, somebody comes up with something that's like a pretty cool idea and they're just like, ah, no. And they find a million reasons to hate it as opposed to like really thinking about, you know, I mean, the thought and the hard work and, you know, all this 
that went into this product. And if nothing else, I could definitely appreciate that. And just, you know, I mean, I guess just the engineering of it, because I've showed it to a few friends and they're like, oh, no, not at all. So it essentially, like I said, it's shaped like a cell phone. You press this button on the side to kind of whip it out. And I describe it as almost like if you were, you know, taking out a pocket knife, how people just kind of do that little, you know, like flip of a, like with their wrist and then the pocket knife, you know, comes out. Yep. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the way that I'd see it. And then grab it by the handle and it's ready to go. So it's break action and it holds two rounds and they're right on top of each other. It doesn't shoot two at a time or at the same time, you know, it shoots only one round at once and it's available in 380 and nine millimeter. How am I doing? How's yes. my, how's my pitch so far? Excellent. Would you hire excellent. me? No, that's excellent. Oh yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, it looks like a cell phone. It has two rounds, you know, whatever. <laughs> and as far as like safety, like you said, the grip essentially covers trigger and trigger guard. And there's really, I can't really see anything going wrong with it as far as like it possibly being able to fire without, you know, that piece extended, which isn't really as easy to do. So that's, so the only thing that brings me into, you know, okay, how quickly could people actually grab this and extend the gun so that it's within the firing position? And, you know, and I think just like with anything, it's one of those things that you have to practice Obviously, you know, anybody with a pocket knife, you practice enough and you can whip that pocket knife out pretty quickly. It does have, so when I was firing it, the trigger is extremely heavy. I actually had to use two fingers. I haven't done my review yet, but I would say that that was like the only thing that I didn't really care for was just that the trigger was so hard, which you might argue that like, well, it's another safety precaution. I'm assuming. Well, unfortunately, it's kind of a necessary evil. We um we have had a lot of comments about that, and I'm like, well, yeah, it's easy to get rid of the trigger pull if you just have to stop somehow and cock the thing. But that's something we really wanted to avoid. And and the other thing about the the reason behind that you say break action is is I I literally took this phone up 25 feet in the phone this gun up 25 feet in the air and with dummy rounds um you know uh, blanks. And dropped it from a drone from 25 feet to prove to people it cannot go off by accident. You're never going to shoot anybody by accident with this gun. It doesn't have, you're right, it doesn't have a hair trigger. And for younger kids might get a hold of it, that's going to be a limiting factor for them even to be able to, to pull that trigger. Mm-hmm. And um, But yeah, in order to make it drop fireproof, we pretty much had to go to that design. And I think the other thing that people don't realize is that this isn't like anything you've ever shot before, ever. So you're right. Practice with it. I had a person that didn't really practice that much with it. We went to the range and they were able to pull it from their front pocket, deploy it and put two rounds down range in like 1.4 seconds. So it's way faster to deploy than people think. You actually don't uh, literally have to push those buttons on the top. It it is just friction open. Mm -hmm. So you can grab it from the bottom, friction open it. And I mean, it can be deployed very, very quickly more so than people think. And that's, you know, of course, another early criticism is, well, we'll have to assemble the thing before you can shoot it. It's like, no, this is very quick to be deployed, very quick to be fired. And so those things are good for it. But yeah, the trigger pull has been, I've had people want me to try to, we've tried to adjust it or tried to change it, but it's just not possible without either, you know, finding a way to cock the pistol, which is not something I wanted. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I did notice as I was shooting it, it seemed to, the trigger kind of loosened up a little bit. It didn't loosen, it it just got a little bit easier to pull. Yeah, it will. I mean, yeah. okay, so I wasn't sure if that was something, you know, I mean, with a lot of guns, you kind of have to break them in. What made you go with just two rounds? Was it just the fact that, you know, I mean, you were obviously trying to stay with a minimal design? Because I think, you know, some people might argue... Like, well, two rounds. I mean, obviously, this is for like close quarter self-defense situations. And when I was shooting it, I will say it was accurate. I have it on film. I mean, I was shooting bullseyes, but I don't know. Well, that's that's one of the things that's and I do call it accidentally accurate because it's not like we planned on that. But one of the differences in this pistol versus any other pistol is the weight the primary weight of the pistol is nose heavy and almost every other, I think every other pistol is more so the weight gets centered in the grip. So the interesting thing about this gun is it doesn't try to muzzle flip. It just, and that's when you say it's accurate. We found it to be very accurate. I've handed it to people for the first time, as you mentioned, they shot bullseyes and go, well, oh, that, that can't be true. And I'm like, well, here's have at it, you know, and people have found it to be extraordinarily accurate. And so Space constraints inside were the reason we went with a double barrel Derringer and Derringers have been, I mean, they've been used consistently since the 1800s for a reason. They're discreet, they're easy to carry, they're easy to hide, and uh, they'll put a hole in you. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, um, that's the bottom line. So, and you're right, you are in close quarters. Most studies I've seen say that by the time one or two rounds have been fired, either somebody's down meaning knocked down or killed and or they're running because most instances at the deployment of a pistol the other person unless they're armed as well they're not gonna they're not gonna try to continue Mm -hmm. that's that's what i've read and so if you're not going to carry a gun otherwise because you're you know adverse to having it be seen this gives you an opportunity to have two rounds at least and Mm -hmm. in these instances where there's a shooter or in a public place and that kind of thing, people say that thing. Well, I only, would only have two rounds. Well, if you're not inclined to carry anything else, that's two rounds you can have if you're hiding in the cooler, you know, of a of a grocery store, and somebody goes to open a cooler. Well, you at least got two rounds to go to go to town. So, yeah. um, I think two rounds obviously are better than none. Yeah, thirteen is better than two, but people are not normally inclined to carry that kind of a gun. They'll carry this kind of a gun, I believe, just because of its uh, ability to to be concealed Mm -hmm. yeah actually that makes a lot of sense that's true and i've said the same thing with 22s like i'm not a big fan of 22s just because they typically you know have misfires but i've always said hey 22s obviously better than no gun so if that's what you can only shoot you know feel comfortable shooting then it is what it is but well one of our early taglines was the best kind of gun is the one you have with you yeah no kidding so I mean, I talk to people all the time. Oh, yeah, I got one in my glove box. I'm like, well, good luck with that. Yeah, you that's know, true. I mean, unless you're in your car or getting carjacked. I mean, even then, getting it out of the glove box can be entertaining. So I think that's, um, I think this is for people who, are, and a lot of professional people like this because it's like, and again, we mentioned, you're a professional person these days and somebody sees you carrying a hog leg style gun. It it can get ugly in in a few minutes. People mm-hmm. could not want to do business with you. They can no longer like you. They can you know all these problems can occur. But like my sister's a realtor, and there's instances where she's got to go out to houses with people she's never met and doesn't know who they are or what they're going to do. So having a firearm in her instance is is a perfect way to defend herself without 
drawing attention to the fact that she has a gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How have sales been within, like, since it's been introduced? The biggest problems we've had is that we're really small. And when you're really small, it's hard to get machine shops to take you seriously. So I think getting a consistent supply of parts and getting vendors that were consistently within tolerance was also entertaining. So we, our sales are really coming online now because we can finally have them in stock. I guess that's another thing that we had is, you know, it's an unfortunate problem, I guess, to be so popular, but we had three to 500 back orders on average every month. Mm -hmm. um, so there was no good way to, you know, I didn't want to advertise. I didn't want to do anything because we couldn't really put out any more than that at the time, but our production methods have picked up. We've got great vendors. We're not, you know, altering parts at the shop, uh, all that kind of stuff. And um, so I think that that's coming around quite a bit. I mean, I think we're selling somewhere around, we're shipping somewhere around 500 a month presently without back order. And those are picking up quite a bit. The dealer orders and stuff are also picking up because we're in stock. I mean, honestly, a lot of people don't like to pre-order stuff, which I can't blame them. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the situation we've been in until recently. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know like COVID, you know, with lockdowns and stuff and then just importation issues. I know a lot of companies, you know, that definitely hurt, even though the demand was there, it was just like, you couldn't supply the demand. It, you couldn't make these things fast enough or get the materials. And I actually wonder if that's going to happen now again, because of, you know, everything that's going on in California and with all the cargo ships and the lack of truckers, which I don't even know if that's actually the case, if there is lack of truckers, because then I see videos where there's people in trucks and they're like, yeah, we're just waiting to pick up cargo. But I don't know, there's a huge disconnect there that something's not making sense. But I wonder, you know, do you have any fears of like that happening again, just because people are saying that like there's going to be some major supply issues here in the near future? Well, one of the good things we did early on, and I just did it because I believe in it, is is we're American made, we get American parts. So all of my parts, machine parts come from U.S. So right. unfortunately, though, a lot of aluminum doesn't come mm -hmm. from the U.S. They outsource supply. So unless the main stock of aluminum and iron and those kind of things get disrupted, we should be fine. And it seems like we will be fine. You know, I had these conversations with with my vendors and they're like, I don't know, you know, up till now, but it's, this is a really uncertain time. And so, you know, and when you say things don't make sense in California in the same sentence, that kind of, kind of rolls back together too. I mean, I, I think the way that they do things there and their restrictions on emissions, like you can't yes. run a truck in and out of the port that's less than two years old. I know. So that kind of <laughs> stuff is going to come home to roost. And I hope um, because we made the decision early on not to rely on foreign parts that we'll be fine in that regard. Mm -hmm. Taking another quick break, I'm going to talk about IWI. This week, I got a gun that I've wanted forever, the Uzi Pro. I haven't had a chance to shoot it yet because I'm still finishing up repairs in my house, which just <laughs> don't get me started on that. Seems like it's never ending, but it's just one of those iconic guns, and I just love everything about how it feels. One of the cool things about the Uzi Pro is that it has the charging handle on the left side so that you have a full length rail on top, which I'll probably put a red dot or some sort of optic, but it does come with iron sights, which is awesome because 
Honestly, I hate when guns don't come with iron sights. Like you pay all this money and you're like, awesome. I can't even shoot it right out of the box. Another awesome thing about the new version of the Uzi Pro is every one of them comes threaded now so that you can put a suppressor on it. Yeah, I'm super excited to try it out. The one that I got, it does have the SB Tactical brace on it. You can get it with or without, or if you don't like the brace, you can change it out, which I'm considering. I think it looks maybe a little bulky, but I don't know. I still have to look at some of the options out there, the aftermarket products. But if you guys want to check that out, head on over to IWI.us. Don't forget, if you find any accessories that you like, use the code GUNFUNNY15 for 15% off. Tell me what is available right now as far as the ideal concealed pistol. So like I said, it comes in 380 and 9 millimeter. You have some cool designs. Like uh, there's one that was American flag, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, we're pay- I'm a you know patriot and I and we support the military and police, which also of course hasn't been a popular stance in the last few years, but I don't care. Yeah. Um, so we did a blue line edition, we did the flag edition. Just got done talking to a laser company about starting to do some some laser designs on them. We've been trying to avoid really getting into too many different looks just because it you know it also increases your internal bureaucracy and there's only three of us here. So the black uh 380s, the black nine millimeters are in stock. The other ones, the flag and the and the blue line, we mostly order the Cerakote for them as we get enough orders. Mm-hmm. So you know they're not as they're not going to be as popular as the mainstream. A lot of people have said, well, I, you know, I want it to be incognito, so I'm going to stick with black. It's like, well, that's fine. But there are people that are buying these for collectors. And I think once you carry one in a holster, it doesn't matter what, what it looks like because people carry phones with every manner of print on the back. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll work out too. But that's, those are in stock. Our holsters are finally in stock. That's, uh, that's been another road to hoe is just to get all the, you know, all the pieces and parts together. There's grommets and screws and all this kind of stuff. So we finally have them together. They're in stock. So yeah, in stock has not been some some combination of words we've been able to use, right. which is which is really really refreshing to be able to say yeah you know you get it in a week yeah um, we ship every week so if you order in one week you'll get it in the next week and so that's kind of the interesting thing we don't do any direct sales everything's either dealer direct or I shouldn't say we don't do any direct uh, like uh, background checks that kind of thing so everything goes through other dealers to do their background checks that was one misnomer early on is like. People started to think this was like the Amazon pistol. Were well, you going to ship this to my house? It's like, no. Well, why not? It's like, because I don't like jail. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, they uh, people thought for some reason that this was different, maybe because it was being sold online. A lot of people have never bought a gun online, mm-hmm. never bought a gun, period. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of a lot of confusion in that. But we finally got people to figure out that, yeah, no, you got to go in, get your background check, just like any other gun. And yeah. um, so... Uh, yeah, that's uh, they're all in, they're all in stock right now. The only only caveat to that is sometimes the the Cerakote ones will be a little behind because we order them in groups, and then if we have a big run on them, we have to get back in line at the Cerakote company. We don't do that in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And you guys just released the nine millimeter edition. Like, what was it like a month and a half ago or something? Yeah, and that was a uh, one thing we've been. You know, this timeline has been very long and drawn out, but one of the neat things is that we don't know anything about the firearms industry. I don't. I didn't come from it. I've never worked in it. So we didn't know what we couldn't do, but we also were willing to listen to everybody, anybody. I mean, they had suggestions. They had ideas. You know, originally the uh, 
the handle was going to have a latch you'd have to release to deploy it. And people are like, no, that's going to be way too long. So then we turned it into friction. And uh, the sights, for instance, are rudimentary. They're iron sights, but people said, you got to have a site. You just have to have some kind of a site. So we were lucky enough to get a lot of input from a lot of people at shows, particularly about things that they wanted to see. And our holster is another example. I had a guy call me up one day and he's like, you people in the gun industry always forget about us lefties. Don't you forget about me? <laughs> I was like, okay. So we made the holster purposefully ambidextrous and you can flip it around a different holster or different belt clip configuration. So we tried to make everything line up to what people wanted. And one of the biggest things we kept hearing at shows is why I want a nine millimeter, I want a nine millimeter. And so that was why we kind of went that way. Um, even though I think 380 is in close range and it's yeah. plenty big enough, but mm -hmm. you know, what's what people want is kind of like the way it is, you know, people want what they want. We try to get for them. So yeah, the nine, I developed it and prototyped it over last winter and, and um, then we got it ready to go to market. It's different in a few regards. There's parts in it that are not the same as the 380 because the nine, of course, obviously puts off more recoil. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to beef up some parts internally, but we did keep the same shape and size so that the holsters would be universal. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then also I realized that, was it like just this week you announced that you've designed a new expandable stun baton? Yeah, that's, um, I'm kind of a serial um, inventor. I guess I've tried to invent a lot of stuff over the years and either it hasn't you know, come to fruition or somebody had invented it in front of me and it didn't go to mark. And I think that's one of the things that people do is they hold their, you know, IP, their, their patent stuff so close by the time they get it developed, they don't realize nobody likes it or wants it. So one of the things I learned over the years is to make sure you have a market before you bother patenting something. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, the Sumbaton has just recently came out. That one that I showed on the video is, a, is the first actual production model. And we're having, a, I'll get another thousand of them. We're gonna get them a thousand at a time. So those are made overseas. Unfortunately, they're not made here, but I'm gonna get them a thousand at a time because I have to fly them. And because, as you said, the ports, you know, good luck getting a container, number one, and being able to afford it, number two, or see it before next summer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's the the deal behind that. And, um, but yeah, it is a really interesting design. And the biggest thing that I invented, obviously, is not the baton. They've been around forever. But I, I figured out the way to move the electricity down to the end in a retractable fashion. And that's the, that's the really the patentable thing about that particular design is that it has an internal track system where you can run electricity up and down these tracks and they, you know, keep going down. So if it's partly deployed, fully deployed, half deployed, it still gives you the ability to, to use it as a stun weapon. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. And then is there anything else that you can share with listeners for like, you know, future plans that you might have? We have been interested in, in designing a 22 caliber. I suppose that would be next in part because we feel like hopefully we can feel like we can get a, a much less trigger mm -hmm. uh, heft. Yeah. But on the other hand, when you look at rim fires, I mean, I bought a, I bought a gun not long ago. That's a rim fire hammerless, you know, their hammers internal. And so, and it, it's got almost as much trigger pull as mine does. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to figure out a way to, make a pistol that's as light as a cell phone that is a 22 caliber because we've heard early on people are like oh i want this for my you know my wife or my daughters and there's a lot of people my wife included that want, don't want to shoot a 380 her hand just 
just isn't meant for it. You mm -hmm. can shoot it, but she doesn't want to. So the 22 caliber was probably the next iteration. And I don't know that we'll do any more uh, calibers unless I increase the size of the, the, the pistol because obviously cell phones have gotten bigger. I think that was the other thing at the time, the whole thing was all, you know, we're going to shrink these things down and we're going to, you know, your, your whole cell phone will be on your wrist. And yeah. now you look at them and they're, you know, almost sometimes in some instances, inch and a half larger than this pistol. Exactly. So yeah. we could get away with a, like a 45, 410 version. I always like the idea of a 410 version because yeah, you have two shots, but if you got two shotgun shells where the shots you'd, yeah. that's, uh, that's intriguing. So those are the things I think would be in the future, but right now we're, we're concentrating on getting what we have out to the market. I got to say that over the years we have, we have made this gun essentially perfect. I mean, as perfect as humans can make something mm -hmm. uh, we get very almost no returns of any kind we have no reports of any real issues i mean occasionally just like everything we have something small happen but we do in general and oh by the way we do give you a lifetime warranty i don't care how you break it i don't care who broke it i don't care which owner you are if you broke it or it's broken send it back to me and i'll fix it and i can't fix it i'll give you another pistol wow wow that's a really nice Okay. And then for listeners who want to check out your products, what is your website? And then if they want to follow you on social media, what is that info as well? Sure. Our, um, our website is, is simple. It's just idealconceal.com. And that will put you in touch with all kinds of reviews and information and, and the ability to order. There's a shop now store function on there. And we do post some of our social media stuff on the front page of that. I had a, uh, I went and made a uh, bond style video. We hired a lookalike uh, to do a bond video, which was pretty fun to do. Um, it was just, you know, cause I've heard, that's another thing I've heard at every show there is, well, bond should carry James bond should carry this. I'm like, well, so we made our own cause Daniel Craig would not return my calls. I don't know why, huh. um, but he just wouldn't. And so we um, went ahead and did that. And we, we have a YouTube channel under ideal conceal. And we also have a Facebook channel um, under ideal conceal. We're just now getting Instagram and those kind of things going because, like I said, as silly as it sounds, we just couldn't afford to get any more orders because we because people only have a patience of so long. Original orders for this, actually, some people got in 2016 when it was a photograph, but I made them sign a document saying this is vaporware. This is not real. If you want to put a deposit down, you realize that, you know, it could not come to fruition, but we've shipped we've shipped all of those orders. We had people wait literally five years for this gun and they've gotten it and just loved it. So there is a, there is a history of, with us of you'll either get your gun or your money back. You'll never find an instance otherwise. So that's something else we're really proud of, but yeah, check us out. We do have all the buttons on idealconceal.com where you can go see our other social media stuff. Um, and so that's been fun to do and, and get going with more. Like I said, we just didn't do much of it just because we, we were trying to keep a little bit more of a low profile, but yeah. we're over that now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time and for joining me on the show, the rest of the segment, I'm going to be recording with Jon Snow, but really appreciate you making the time and guys look out for my review. I'm actually getting together with my cameraman today to record that review. So like I said, I've shot it a few times at the range and then I just got to actually put my thoughts down on video. I'm doing that today. So guys, stay on the lookout for that as well. It'll be on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Ava Flannel. 
And Kirk, like I said before, I really appreciate your time and good luck with everything. Well, thank you. And I appreciate the time to be here. And it is nice to have an interviewer that where things are just conversational and you do a really great job of that. And I'm sure that's why people enjoy listening to your podcast. So thank you again for the opportunity. I look forward to seeing the review and uh, yeah, I mean, let us know when it comes out. We'll post it on our stuff as well. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Kirk. I appreciate it. Moving forward with the rest of the show, Jon Snow, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be on again. Before we start, I'm going to talk about Caldwell real quick. So if you're like me, one of the things that I hate doing is loading mags at the range. And, you know, sometimes people give you crap. They're like, oh, you need a speed loader. Oh, your little delicate fingers. Honestly, if you're shooting as many rounds as I am on the range, it doesn't matter like you know, whether it's cold outside or you're shooting like a few hundred rounds, I mean, your fingers get sore and I have no shame. I use mag loaders. Like, why wouldn't you, you know, it's easier on your thumbs, your fingers, and you can shoot better afterwards. Caldwell has several different mag loaders to help make it easier. They have two different ones for ARs. One lets you load rounds straight from stripper clips or 20 round boxes. And another lets you load straight from 50 round boxes. The only problem is, is sometimes the ammo, like the two, two, three, five, five, six rounds, they don't always come in boxes like that, which kind of sucks. I think that they need to change that. They also have universal pistol mag loaders and 22 mag and 22 LR loaders. For the rest of the month, any order over $100 gets a free pair of Emacs Pro earmuffs as well. So that's just another incentive. Definitely check it out. That's caldwellshooting.com. Remember, with your first order, if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, you're going to get 10% off. Mag loaders are essential. I mean, even as a guy, I have callous fingers, but in the winter, when it's cold, oh, I I've know. shoved mag lips through my thumbs and had some pretty nasty cuts. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It kind of makes it hard to do, like when your fingers are, you know, like icicles. <laughs> yep. I know. I've totally well, been that- there. Yep. Absolutely. All right, so today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Biden plans big spending against guns. You know what? Do you want to take this story away? You want to talk about it? Sure. Biden, of course, as we've all known forever is going forward with a massive on every level attack on gun control and the fiscal budget that they have planned for discretionary spending this coming year is full of stuff to essentially attack the second amendment billions and billions of dollars allocated to things that shouldn't be but Um, They've got a ton of things in there, and it's to address gun violence as a public health epidemic, as we've talked about before. And it's really kind of sad how they address it in the bill that they have put forth. They put it right in between public health epidemics of opioid addiction and AIDS health. And yeah, it. We've just seen already how many times, you know, the new CDC director keeps plugging that it's this public health epidemic and completely disconnected from reality. Mm -hmm. But what he's planning to do is to address this 
gun violence public health crisis. He wants to give $2.1 billion to the Justice Department, the Department of Justice, to improve background check systems and invest in new programs to incentivize state adoption of gun licensing laws and establish voluntary gun buyback pilot programs. All of that means, okay, he wants the states to mandate licensing, which currently a lot of states do not have mandatory licensing. They don't have a registration. It's simply, you know, when you do a 4473, it's the record of sale, Mm -hmm. which is at the federal level. But he wants, you know, states like Michigan, for example, they have a registration. And, you know, New Jersey and states like that, of course, he wants registration everywhere so that they have a list to be able to confiscate. Mm -hmm. The buyback programs, of course, that he wants to start as a uh, nationwide thing. Of course, he wants to go to confiscation of any ARs, AKs, and all mm-hmm. semi-autos. I mean, he's already spoken about that many times. And it's this, not voluntary. And this would, yeah, I was going to say, this wouldn't be voluntary. It'd exactly. basically be like confiscating your ARs, your AKs, and any other like semi-auto. Yeah, you can voluntarily turn this in or you can go to jail is what that amounts to. You know, it's mm-hmm. threat at the barrel of a gun. Yeah. And Another one is $1.6 billion to the ATF to oversee the safe sale, storage, and ownership of firearms and support the agency's other work to fight violent crime. Well, part of that we've already seen is they intend to add a massive number of field agents. And the whole reason for that is to be able to go confiscate stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just at every level, they want to go after gun owners. And in all of this, it's not actually going after any of the things that have actually been any kind of criminal stuff. They're only targeting going after legitimate gun dealers. Mm-hmm. You know, like he made up that completely bogus thing about how they had all these rogue gun dealers a few months ago. They don't exist. Yeah. There so- are not gun dealers that violate the Nick's check when they get a statement back from the Nick's to not proceed. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Even more troubling is funding to fight like supposed domestic terrorism, which lately anyone who says anything that disagrees with mandates, including parents critical of school boards are being called domestic terrorists, which real terrorism and violence is definitely, you know, a threat that needs to be addressed. But we've seen so many cases recently where the justice system is painting normal people have done nothing with the brush of being potential domestic terrorists. Definitely something that could be pretty dangerous. As always, guys, contact your representatives. And it's just, it's insane, like some of the stuff that Biden wants to pass. I mean, really, it's like, it's kind of just insane, like the state of the United States, like that we're in. Yeah, it, it's I, absolutely insane. Like I look around and I'm like, everything is going to shit. I hate to say it, but, you know, I mean, like prices are through the roof. Supply is just crap. I mean, just the stuff that he's trying to pass, you know, him being able to look at your bank account transactions. I'm like, do we even live in the United States anymore? Like, is this seriously, you know, the U.S. is like based on like freedom. And yet I'm like, where's our freedom? There's like, you know, I mean, if anything, they're trying to like cut resources and stuff so that we just have to comply. Yeah, it's a deliberate tactic on all fronts to create chaos and fear so that they can control and 
people will just voluntarily give up their freedoms because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. And it's and, just and sad we've how seen many people this are happen. falling for it. We've seen, yeah, exactly. But the thing is, a lot of people out there are sheep. I mean, we saw it 2020, you know, with COVID. Like how many people, I mean, fear will definitely cause people to straighten up and act a certain way. And they're not going to fight. They're not going to argue because they do so many tactics that like people just give in. And yeah, it's sad. All right. Well, moving forward, Manicore Arms. The Scorpion Evo. What do you have to say? One of my favorite little pistols. Love that gun. Of course. Manacle Arms has tons of stuff for it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at mine right now. Actually, um, did I don't know if people know this, but they actually do make magazines for it. But I don't think they sell they it do. on the website. It's at Prepper Prepper's Gun Shop, I think. Yeah, Prepper Gun Shop. Yeah, yeah. So they've got the mags that are really nice because they're the smokes translucent mags, similar to the ones that the Evo originally came with, but they're mm-hmm. better quality. They have better lips on them. Yeah. And then one of the things that the original safety selectors on this evo always had is i mean you've talked about it before but yeah it, it sucks it's like yeah. it's super sharp it's right there yep. by your thumb and if you've ever even just like held one you're just like what the hell because it's just like right there on your thumb like just ready to like cut the crap out of you so definitely yep. switching that out is a must yep swap those out they're nice and rounded they're not going to cut you up when you don't have gloves on he doesn't have it anymore, but I've got one of the transformer rails on mine. I really like it. He has the M lock one now. Oh, nice. Um, okay, uh, cool. Well, guys, really awesome. if you want to check any of their products out, Manicore Arms, they make stuff for, you know, the Tavors, a lot of the IWI products, actually, uh, as well as the Scorpion and uh, just a lot of bull pups. Head on over to manacorearms.com. Use the coupon code AVAROCKS15, all one word. You're going to get 15% off your entire order. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's question is, do you think Airsoft is a good training tool for the 2A community? I think it's a great tool to use if you're practicing force on force. I've done it. Actually, there was a school that I was training a few years back and we set up scenarios and man, these airsoft guns, if you've ever been hit with one, they freaking hurt. It's even like more of a reason like that you don't want to get hit with them because it does hurt and it's going to like leave a little mark. But, you know, it's just like it's a good way to like sort of train because you can go to the range and just shoot point blank at a target, but you're not really training. And when there's people like, you know, hiding behind doors or in rooms and you have to practice like clearing a room or certain things that, you know, even with their school, like we practiced in their school and how their school was laid out and like what would be, you know, good ways for them to to stand that would be most beneficial if there was an active shooter and stuff like that. So I would say, yeah, if you have the opportunity, it's a great training tool. And if nothing else, I mean, it's also good for beginners, like just to train, you know, beginners on just the fundamentals, the safety fundamentals. But, you know, not to say that Airsoft is going to accept a round, but just don't pull in, you know, an Alec Baldwin when you're training. Yeah. 
And, and, that, and that's the thing. Safety is important regardless of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you always have to be sure what you're, you know, with airsoft, obviously you're going to be pointing them at each other, but there's zero real guns anywhere near. Yeah. And, and they won't very, accept a live round at all. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. but you always have to check and confirm. Yeah. And so that's always a good thing, but yeah, airsoft, a lot of people in the gun world dog on airsoft. Honestly, people who do regular airsofting are more familiar with using their kit and the mechanics of motion that they would do in that scenario mm-hmm. than most gun owners. So yeah. they actually train more. They understand more about getting into cover and things like that than the typical gun owner. So it's actually really good practice. And a yeah. lot of people don't realize that. I mean, I would even go as far as saying like even paintball. Paintball would be a good practice. You know, I mean, yeah. laser tag, you know, stuff like that where you're kind of in more of a, a real life scenario as opposed to just going to the range and shooting point blank. But, you know, obviously make sure that your ears, eyes are protected and you're wearing like clothing that you're not going to get hurt. Because like I said, if you get hit with like a paintball or a bb at close range like it's definitely gonna bruise and i've seen it break skin before so just take that precaution i've seen someone get a broken nose from airsoft before (laughs) yeah well then they probably weren't wearing the right mask (laughs) they were not yeah so it's like hey look you want to play stupid games you win stupid prizes make sure that the mask that you're wearing covers your entire face tactic talk discussing popular guns and gear love it hate it Find out now. All right, today, Tactic Talk, A3 Tactical releases new Strybog lower. A3 Tactical has released a new lower for the Grand Power Strybog that brings a bunch of cool new options to the platform. The Strybog SP9A1 and the SP9A3 are popular PCCs from Slovakia. But one of the things that some people had issues with is the mags. So the original Strybog design used a straight magazine, which even after the second gen version came out, people you know still had feeding issues. The new lower from A3 Tactical solves this in a couple ways. It has an improved angle of the mag well and switched to a curved magazine. The reliable Scorpion mags, including ones from CZ, Magpul, PSA, ETS, and Manicore, you can also use most standard AR style grips, you know, safety selectors, triggers. So basically you can install all of your favorite lower parts on it. It also uses Scorpion style mag releases and comes with a nice oversized one that you can get changed out for Magpul, Shooter's Element, uh, Tandem Cross, Gearhead Works, all that stuff. It also has a last round bolt hold open and a larger bolt hold lever which the original was kind of small and uncomfortable using without gloves. One of the other cool things about this on the Strybog is the receiver is part of the upper so that you don't have to do a transfer on this lower. And I think right now they're in stock. They're shipping from Rainier Arms, and there's a link in the show notes if you want to check them out. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to get one of these. I don't have any of the Strybogs, so I don't know. I actually didn't even know that they had problems initially. Yeah, it it wasn't anything major, but the straight mags that they had, the first ones, they didn't have steel lips. And so the second gen ones, I've got the SP9A3, which has the second gen. Mm -hmm. And I personally haven't had any issues with it, but I haven't shot a ton of rounds through it because I got it when ammo prices went crazy. But just the same, 
being able to put the scorpion mags on it. The scorpion mags are so tried and true. And I already have a ton of scorpion mags. Yeah. So I don't have to buy a bunch more mags. Yeah, so totally. It just makes total sense. Something that everyone needs is a good cleaning mat. Yep. You heard it here first. That's right. One, they protect your table, which, okay. So my friend DJ was just over recently and I asked him to put a trigger in my Glock. It's actually, uh, what trigger was it? It is the Timney trigger that I actually won at the Gundy's. Like, was it last year? And I'm only now finally getting around to like, oh yeah, well, I guess I could put this in my Glock. And yeah, of course there's no mat down and now there's just a big Mm. hole, a big, it even took off like the top. So it's like wood on a gray table so you can see it. And I was like, cool, thanks. Definitely guys put down a mat. If you're working on your gun, kind of wish I did that for my friend who didn't ruin my table. Also, you know, not only do they protect your table, but like if you're, you know, messing with little tiny pins and parts and stuff like that, they could easily roll off the table, whereas like the mats, like in this case, I'm talking about the tech mat that it's T-E-K-M-A-T and they have like a padding and stuff. So it definitely helps, you know, so they're not going to lose all your parts and stuff. They have really cool designs. I think they even have doormats and stuff. Definitely check that out. The website is techmat.com. And if you use the code GUNFUNNY20, you're going to get 20% off your entire order. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting. Awesome as f- never mind. AF. Okay, so recently, unless you live under a rock, you guys have probably heard the tragedy that took place on set of filming the movie Rust with Alec Baldwin and Jensen Ackles. Man, I gotta say, this one's tough because for me, this kind of hits home a little bit. In previous segments, I've talked about how I lost my mom. And actually, even some of the patrons recently said that they didn't realize that I lost my mom like in a tragedy. It was more, you know, they just thought she was ill and she wasn't. We were actually filming a TV show and there was a lot of things that went wrong on set. And basically what happened was she wasn't shot with a gun, but there was a smoke bomb that malfunctioned and ended up hitting her. And when I heard about this, it just kind of hit home because I was like, man, I'm just, I've been in this situation. Like I know what it feels like to have something on set go wrong and you put your trust in other people. And like, in this case, you know, everybody is like, you know, safety first. And like, we really had no way of knowing what the hell, like, even if I was like, let's check the smoke bomb, I wouldn't know what the hell I was looking at. But for those who haven't heard, basically Alec Baldwin, he fired a prop gun twice, shot Helena Hutchins and Joel Sousa, both directors on the film. Helena was pronounced dead at the hospital and Sousa has been released. I think he was hit in the shoulder, was it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I think what happened there is reports said that he shot twice. I think that it was just one live round and it went through Helena and into Sousa is what happened. That hasn't been directly stated, but I have heard reports that it was that single round and it hit both of them. Yeah. So this is like, I mean, this is just crazy. I mean, Baldwin, I've never been a big fan of him. I always thought he was kind of a jackass and he's obviously very anti-gun. 
and he's been a jerk about it too. I mean, like what was it in 2016 or whatever, somebody was pulling up a tweet, how, you know, when a cop like took another guy's life and yeah. he tweeted something like, you know, how does it feel to take an innocent life? Yeah. Like and, he was just, that- he was a jerk about it. Oh yeah. And there's a whole bunch of cases like that. He's been a real jerk about it. And in that case in particular, the cop was completely justified in the shooting because the guy was armed and was trying to shoot the cop. So Mm -hmm. one of those Hollywood activist types that is just completely rabid anti-gun and without any intelligence about it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And yet here he is like making tons of money. Uh, you know, using guns on set in movies. He has no problem doing that. And, you know, basically glorifying guns because kids are going to watch these movies. He's making guns look really cool. He's probably using it against the bad guy, you know. But so he has no problem making millions using the gun. But yet, like off screen, yeah, he's totally anti-gun. Yeah, and this movie, he is the bad guy too, so. Oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, there's tons of memes right now. And it's crazy because... uh, I just know that like when this happened with my mom, it was all over the news and the news. I mean, figure we were at the scene until like four or five a.m. and the cops. I mean, there was every freaking the bomb squad, like all kinds of agencies that I was like, Colorado Springs has this. Like, I didn't even know that we had these resources, but everyone and their mom basically showed up, you know, anything government related. And they had to like search everything, the store the house they wouldn't let us go home and then they finally let us go home for a few hours to sleep and then they were back at our house and they had us leave it was a nightmare and the news was all over the place when it's like you know the last thing you want is just like the press in your face you're like trying to you know just even make sense of what just happened and now they're asking you to give statements and stuff oh and then of course the media too some of the articles that I read, even now, some of the articles that appear and I'm like, that isn't even true. Like, it's such BS. Like some of the the news outlets, like what they were saying is not true. But yet you read the news and you just assume that it is true. I really do feel bad for Alec Baldwin, you know, with all the memes and stuff going on. And I mean, I can't imagine like he feels good about the situation whatsoever. Like he did just take an innocent life and it's going to have major trauma a lot of people are, you know, saying that, yeah, there should have been more safety involved, which there absolutely should have. People are saying, you know, if he just practiced the four safe gun handling rules, you know, don't point your gun at anything you're not willing to shoot. But at the end of the day, you also have to think this is a freaking prop gun. But, you know, if he had any form of training, he probably would have checked the magazine first to make sure like, hey, maybe there's no live rounds. But, you know, I am going to maybe say something that isn't popular opinion. I mean, at what point do we rely on the safety professionals? Because it's like, okay, let's say you're going to buy a car. If I'm buying a car and I'm taking on that responsibility, do I need to know how to change everything and fix everything in the car and look at everything and make sure that, you know, I mean, I don't know how to do that. I don't even know how to change a freaking tire which is stupid. I could shoot, you know, I could shoot guns, but I can't change a tire. But you are relying on these safety professionals to make sure. I mean, as the actor, you have your job. This person has their job. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's such a, I mean, I do think, I personally think that anybody who's going to use a gun, you know, in movies and stuff, like they need some form of training. 
they definitely like I think it should be a prerequisite. And not to mention, I mean, how many times do you watch movies and you're just like, dude, they're holding it wrong? Or, you know, they're just walking around with their finger on the trigger and they're not even shooting and just like all this like cringeworthy stuff that you see. So, I mean, I think that they should take a safety class, but, you know, I mean, could it have been preventable? Absolutely. But there's so many ways that it could have been prevented and whose hands does this fall in? And then we hear about, you know, the woman who was the armorer. Yeah. And what, she was only like 24 years old? Yeah. So she's the daughter of a guy who's been an armorer on movie sets for years. He did, you know, like movies, The Quick and the Dead and a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, she's 24 years old. This movie, Rust, apparently is a really low budget film. It's a Western. So all of these guns are probably like single action revolvers. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff that has since come out the last couple of days, apparently this was not a true prop gun that is only designed to fire blanks, but a actual live revolver. And apparently it was being used offset for target practice the day before this. And that may have been how an actual live round got mixed in Mm -hmm. on movie sets. You don't do that. (laughs) You don't do that. There's very strict procedures that they are supposed to follow. And it, not to put this all on the armorer, however, she absolutely definitely bears some responsibility on this. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing on this from all the things that's come out so far, there's just so many safety rules that could have prevented this at so many levels. One of them is in Hollywood, they never allow live ammo anywhere near set. That's just paramount. And yet this one live ammo got mixed in and Another part is they follow the same basics of gun safety as well. They are never supposed to point a gun, even a true prop gun that only fires blanks at another person. Mm -hmm. They use camera angles to make it look like they are. And well, and especially with like advanced technology, I mean, you don't need a person right behind the camera. Like there's pictures that I've taken where I'm pointing at the camera. There's nobody behind the camera. Yeah, exactly. And for those shots where they have the gun pointed directly at a camera, they ensure that it is truly blanks, but then they also have this big thick plexiglass shield between the camera and them and they minimize anybody that's anywhere near because even actual blank firing prop guns that aren't true firearms have been deadly to people mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. Brandon Lee was killed by an actual prop gun yeah. because a dummy round got lodged, a bullet got lodged in that. And then the blank behind it made the lodged bullet come out of the barrel and it hit him and killed him. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, yeah, there's blanks still... can be a problem. Exactly. And I actually remember my mom saying that. It's weird because even the week, you know, before she passed away, I don't know if we were using blank rounds on something, but she was saying that that even blank rounds can be dangerous. Yeah, exactly. And even without the mix-up of a dummy round getting mixed in there that can lodge something in the barrel, just the powder and everything. Yeah, they have exactly. an absolute minimum 20-foot rule that no one can be within 20 foot of that muzzle mm-hmm. when they're doing a blank. And one of the other things is they are never supposed to have any firearm whatsoever 
outside of lock and key when the armor is not there to supervise. That's the other thing that came out today is that the armor was apparently not on scene when this actually occurred. There was a tray of three firearms out and she wasn't there, according to the report that I read this morning. And that one of the other directors picked up this gun and this guy's not a guy who's qualified with firearms and handed it to Baldwin. Yeah. He said it was clear. So he looked at it, but apparently he didn't look correctly. I'm guessing he wasn't trained at all in firearms. And then Baldwin picked it up, didn't look and shot both these people. And I mean, coming back to Baldwin, Baldwin has been on so many movie sets over the years with firearms. He has to have been told so many times basic rules of safety that he should have known better. I mean, he, he should have, I think honestly, if it wasn't for his disdain for firearms, just the amount of firearms work he's done over the years, he should know some of this basic safety that you don't point it at somebody, Mm -hmm. even though it's, and in this case, it wasn't a true prop gun. Yeah. It's just a sad situation. There's he, the everybody in a lot of people. Yeah. There was a lot of mistakes. Tragic. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of mistakes made by a lot of people. Yeah. And sad thing of course is it's right now it's just pointing fingers. Mm -hmm. They're not wanting to take any ownership of anything. And Hollywood of course is already calling for gun bans and, one camera um, honestly camera. i don't even really i don't even think i even mind that because i'm so sick of hollywood just making millions of dollars using guns but then on the other hand they're you know they want to ban guns yeah like i know that sounds you know like people are like no i like seeing guns in movies and like i do too i love a good action movie but sometimes i'm just like you know don't try to ban something that you're making tons and tons of money off of yeah yeah it- and that's one of the other things. Most of the armorers are actually pro-gun. They, mm-hmm. you know, they're Second Amendment people. They're into guns. Yeah, they just contract to Hollywood. But that's the other thing. Most of the time, I mean, how many thousands of movies are made every year where there's no problem because they follow the safety procedures? And the thing is, though, I, I, so. I only like look back to like when I was filming with the TV show and they work you long hours. They constantly yeah. have you redo a scene and you're like, I thought that scene was good. And they're like, nope, nope, we got to redo it. You're freaking exhausted. Everyone's exhausted. Everyone just kind of gets moody. I mean, we had been filming for eight days straight. We were all exhausted. And was there a pyrotechnic guy, you know, professional on site? No. It was actually the producer that lit the smoke bomb. He had no experience whatsoever. He didn't know what he was doing. So it's like they also just kind of work you to the ground. Nobody's even thinking at that point. It's just, I mean, there there really should be, I think there should definitely be, and there, I mean, there probably is. There's probably, you know, certain restrictions and and rules and stuff like guidelines that you have to abide by, but a lot of these guidelines are broken just because one, if it's low budget, you're trying to get it done, you have deadlines. And as a result, you know, I mean, safety is jeopardized. 
Yeah. And that's one of the most important lessons in this is when you're dealing with something that can have a threat to somebody's life, you can't cut corners. In the case of this, the armor not being there, huge problem. Live ammo being anywhere near, huge problem. You have to. And so I mentioned earlier that the camera crew walked off the set six hours before this incident occurred. And they did because they had safety concerns. They had been flagged continuously over the past few weeks. They started filming this in the beginning of October and the camera crew was complaining the entire time about safety. So they walked off six hours before this happened. The director who died, she was the photography director, Helena. She had actually been lobbying for better conditions for the crew. And this happened. So it's just really sad in so many ways. But mm-hmm. the lesson is, and the camera crew, they had to drive an hour every day from Albuquerque because all of the hotels in the area were taken up by either the actors or a whole bunch of illegals from the border are being housed there. So they had to drive an hour before they were there to start filming at six in the morning. And yeah, they're overworking the people and it's low budget film and they're cutting corners and tragedy happens when you can't cut corners when it comes to things that can be dangerous. That's the big lesson here. Mm -hmm. I agree. All right. uh, It's time to wrap up iTunes reviews. First review is one underscore white underscore ton titled great show five stars. Always enjoy listening to the podcast makes Mondays better. Enjoy hearing all about the new products available. Good luck on getting the house back together. Second review is I Terry Chase titled the last four episodes, five stars. The last four episodes won't play. It just sits and spins. Yours is the only podcast to do that. Just wondering how to fix it. Do you know why that's happening? I'm guessing it's something on his connection from the I Terry portion of the name. I'm guessing he's on an iPhone. I tested all of those on all the platforms and they're all working fine for me. So I'm wondering if maybe he was in a bad data situation when he first tried to play them and it partially downloaded, but then it won't play. Mm -hmm. So if he just goes in there and deletes them, it should be able to get the new ones, I think. Because, yeah, I went in on iTunes and they're playing just fine on both computer and on iPhone. Yeah. And you just tested it. Yep, I did. I literally just went into the podcast app on my iPhone to see if I could pull it up. I think it was just data related and probably those files got corrupted. He goes in and there's a little remove episode on each of those. If I think you touch and hold them on an iPhone, I think that's what it'll need to do. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, as I said, last episode lockdown secure is actually sending me a giveaway box, which I actually, I think I should have received it by now. I got to check my mail still going under home renovations and it's been a freaking nightmare and everything's chaotic. But as I said, I'm going to keep my promise. So who do you think should win the giveaway box? I think we got to go with iTerry since having trouble with the playing. All right. So iTerry, contact me. Just go to gunfunny.com and click on the contact us form. Send me a good address. And how about next week I give away a lockdown secure puck? 
which is one of those things that you could put in your safe or really anywhere. And it'll display like what the humidity is, the temperature, it'll alert you if there's any movement. So if someone's trying to tamper with it, like maybe get into your safe, it's actually really cool and it connects to your phone. That's what I'm going to give away next week. So if you guys haven't already, please leave a review. Now it's time to wrap up. You guys can find me at gunfunny.com as well as links to everything else there. If you enjoy the show and you'd like to contribute, think about becoming a Patreon. You can make a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Patreons who are monthly contributors, they automatically get entered into a giveaway, which actually we have to do soon. And you get a $300 gift certificate for Blown Deadline, who does amazing Cerakote jobs. So far, we've seen a few of the Patreons and what they've had done to their guns, and it's freaking amazing. Just really impressive. Also want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, and Melissa Writings. Jon Snow, he wants me to say, Operator Tickles does not divide and conquer, she just conquers. All right. Well, as always, guys, appreciate it. Actually, you know what? I think after Kurt got off the show, somebody from his company emailed me and gave me a coupon code to give to listeners. So it's gun funny, just all one word. It could be all caps or not. It's not case sensitive. And this will give listeners 20% off all products on the website. Coupon code gun funny. And that is idealconceal.com. And as always, guys, I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.